Hello and welcome back to Fast Charge, the smartphone podcast from the team here at TechVisor. It's our first episode of 2023. Uh, I'm your host, Don Preston, joined as ever by Henry Burrell and Lewis Painter. Um, how are you guys doing? Have you given up on any New Year's resolutions yet? <laughs> uh, I have not made any. <laughs> That's a good way to keep to them, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I think I always think about doing it and then do not. Yeah. Not a dry January guy. I don't know why I'd give up alcohol in the most depressing month of the year. That's what you need it the most. <laughs> maybe yeah, the, I think maybe that's the point. <laughs> the sober October thing seemed more manageable to me than a dry January. That's uh... what else can we rhyme? Dry June. That just makes makes as much sense. But no, sorry, Lewis, have you given up anything? I want to say, well, I wasn't really, un, you know, kind of planning on it. Um, you know, I'm usually one of people like, what's the point? Because you know, most people give up by the end of January. But then I got this sudden burst of, of motivation between Christmas and the New Year, and I was like, no, I'm going to start running again. So hey, I've oh, yeah. started started running this week. And I hate Sweet. it so much. My legs hurt me. Because <laughs> I, I, I used to run quite a bit a few years ago. Yeah. And then I just stopped. And I haven't done it at all since then. So it was just a literal shock to the system. The next day, I, I couldn't move. My legs were done. But hopefully, I have kind it will of, get easier. <laughs> yeah, I've similarly dragged myself back into the gym this week. I'm one of those January gym goers who, like, you know, I, I have regularly weightlifted for a year or two, completely lost the habit the last few months of last year. <laughs> Got back into the gym this week, and oh my god, I know it's a cliche, but everything hurts. Yep. I've been in <laughs> agony today. <Yeah. laughs> Absolutely awful. Well, I went to the osteopath yesterday, so we're all broken. So, uh, yeah. Is this what being in your 30s is, I think? <laughs> I, I, yeah, I can imagine so. I mean, especially for me, it's my back. It's my back that's going today, apparently. So, Always. You know, yeah, I'm old. <laughs> okay, let's talk about some phones and stuff like that. Um, this week is CES, the biggest tech trade show of the calendar year. Um, it's a quirk of the news this week then that the main thing we're going to talk about has absolutely nothing to do with CES <laughs> and was just coincidentally announced at the same time. Because OnePlus took this week of all weeks to reveal the OnePlus 11 at a launch in China. Um, we know we've got a global launch coming in February as well, so we'll be able to talk a little bit about that. Bit about that but we do now know basically the core details of the phone the specs everything we can expect from this year's oneplus flagship and yes it is just the 11 there's no pro and we'll get a little bit into that as well um then we are going to talk about some ces stuff so uh i'm able to now say after being a little bit coy in the description uh, that we are going to be talking about the motorola think phone um, which is one of the few big phone launches at CES, but it's kind of a weird one because it's basically a B2B industry-focused phone um, taking that ThinkPad branding that Lenovo has used for years and still uses on, on laptops and things like that. Uh, and then Motorola is now owned by Lenovo, and so they've taken that and combined that brand with Motorola's phone tech to produce a Think-branded phone. Um, it's a little bit of an odd one, uh, but Lewis has all the de details, so we're going to go through that later as well. And then finally, we're going to talk about Qi 2, the new wireless charging standard announced by the Wireless Power Consortium, uh, which is basically notable because it's Qi wireless charging, but now there's magnets in there. And they're not ripping MagSafe off because Apple actually helped them build it. Um, so MagSafe is kind of coming to Android later this year. Uh, and we're going to talk, talk about what that means, the ways in which it is and isn't MagSafe, and what this might mean for the future of wireless charging. 
Uh, before that, let's go to some other bits and pieces. Uh, we have had some other phone launches. We're not really going to go talk about in depth. Uh, one is the Redmi Note 12 series. I think we spoke about these when they were launched in China. Uh, they've now had the Indian launch um, today, I think it was. Uh, the Note 12, Note 12 Pro, and Note 12 Pro Plus. Um, they're all kind of budget, very affordable devices. I think the Pro Plus is kind of interesting because it goes up to a 200 megapixel camera which for a cheap phone is obviously very high res. Yeah. You know, what, what that means for quality is still up in the air. It's using, uh, I think it's an ISOCELL HPX. I think it's the first phone to use that sensor. So it's a sort of a new 200 meg sensor, obviously one designed to be more affordable. So curious to see what that's like. Probably these are going to get a European launch and, and a wider launch, um, but we don't know when. Uh, so for now, they're out in India though. So global launch has begun for those. Um, also at CES... TCL unveiled the TCL 40 series, uh, which is their set. Again, kind of budgety, slightly mid-rangey devices. There's nothing too exciting about any of these. Um, I think they all have MediaTek chipsets, fairly big batteries, um, and I think also all universally have 50 megapixel cameras. So in that state where there's like four or five phones and you try and pick up the specs, and they're very, very similar and at similar <laughs> price points. So you really look at them and say it's just kind of picking, doing a range of models so that uh, you know, networks in different countries all can find one that suits them just right, and they probably won't all launch together anywhere. Um, arguably more interesting, TCL also kind of talked a little bit and showed off a um, a phone with the next paper display technology that it's got on some tablets and things, which is a bit kind of e-inky, um, but that was very much concept, not here's a product. So they wouldn't even commit that they were working on a product. I'm not sure if it will happen or not, but that would be cool. Um, slightly more concrete, uh, or sorry, the other direction, less concrete, <laughs> looking forwards. Uh, Realme has begun the process of officially teasing the GT Neo 5. Woo. It has confirmed that it is going to arrive in China in February. And most excitingly, that it will have the 240-watt charging tech that Oppo showed off at MWC last year. I'm feeling quietly smug, well, not so quietly, I guess, um, because this was one of my predictions when we did our roundup at the end of last year, that I thought we would <laughs> see that 240-watt tech appear very soon. I did not know this. No one had told me this under embargo. Um, so, yeah, we're going to get that 240-watt phone in February in China, at least. Maybe then MWC for the rest of the world. That'd be a pretty fast turnaround for a China to rest of the world launch. Um, but fingers crossed, that'd be cool. Yeah. Sticking with then back to CES bits, um, more prototypey devices. Samsung showed off a few bits of mobile tech. They haven't sort of launched a phone at CES or anything like that. Um, they showed off a new flexible display prototype, which they're calling the Flex Hybrid OLED, um, which basically is a folding screen that is also a rolling screen. So it's sort of a tablet that can fold out and then once you folded it out i think to around a 10 inch size you can then pull on it to extend it even further to a wider 12 inch size tablet um it's worth saying tcl has actually also shown off tech basically doing the same thing a year ago so samsung aren't the first to build both folding and rolling into the same display but it's an encouraging sign that they're there as well that this is something multiple companies are working on and i guess someone's going to try and put this in a product eventually i would say since we've not even had a rollable screen <laughs> in a consumer product outside of like the TV space, like it's going to be a while before we get the folding and rolling ones. That um, could be the only thing that could fix the complaint with the Z Fold 4, though. That that kind of display aspect ratio is that you could unfold it and then pull it out a little bit longer so you've got something resembling a 16 by 9 aspect ratio, which would then get rid of the issue with most apps. So I'm on board with this. 
Yeah, that's. I mean, it's a great idea, right? You can have a normal phone experience, then a squarish experience, and then a widescreen experience, all from the same device. Super cool. But I, yeah, no one's yeah. made affordable rolling tech yet, so I wouldn't hold my breath. Uh, and then the final thing I want to talk about was just um, <clears throat> a little rumor that popped up over the Christmas break, which is kind of interesting. Uh, this came from Ice Universe, who, if you don't know, is one of the prolific kind of Weibo and Twitter leakers, but one of the ones who's usually pretty reliable. Um, and they claim that Oppo is working on its own smartphone chip um, based on ARM architecture, which is likely to roll out in its phones, in some phones, in 2024. Mm-hmm. So this would obviously see Oppo basically following the footsteps of, of Google and Apple and jumping to just produce all their own silicon. It's interesting because it's always... This is no guarantee of success. We've seen Xiaomi try yeah. this and then give up on it. We've <laughs> seen Samsung do it and kind of half give up on it, and they're still making some Exynos chips, but Just they're not really the doing game. them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, there's a lot of talk that Samsung are like retooling and they're going to come back big next year or the year after and really go all in on their own hardware, their own silicon. But you know, for now, they've, if anything, pulled the other way and signed this big exclusivity arrangement with Qualcomm for Snapdragon. So... It's, yeah, there's I, I, not clear which way the market is going in terms of what most people want to do. But interesting that Oppo is looking at this. It kind of makes sense because we've seen them do this with their Mary Silicon um, MPU, their imaging chip, which has been generally well received. And then um, at Oppo in a day in December, they revealed a, an audio Bluetooth chip as well. So they're clearly like in testing their waters on the silicon and are happy with how it's going. Um, but a very big jump if they're then going to go all the way to a kind of Snapdragon 8 rivaling flagship phone chip, yeah. if that is what they've got in mind. Um, if though, if any brand could get away with it, I guess they are one because they have Oppo flagships, but they also have the OnePlus line that you would then see this in, theoretically, um, and of course, Realme as well. So this could spread, and they're technically under the same ownership as Vivo as well, so you could see a world in which this then also got licensed out to Vivo too. So who knows? Um, I guess that's as good an excuse as any to turn to talking about OnePlus and the OnePlus 11, which has been unveiled in China, uh, where it's going on sale very soon. And then Oppo, sorry, Oppo, well, kind of Oppo, <laughs> has also confirmed that it will get a global launch that's actually taking place in India um, on, I believe, the 7th of February. Is that right, Henry? Yep, that's the one. Yeah, so, yeah, OnePlus has another phone. Um I was trying to think about how to, to frame this because I didn't want to go on neg because everyone is negging on OnePlus at the moment. So I think this looks quite promising. Um, mm-hmm. But then again, I think all of their phones look quite promising and it just <laughs> de- depends what depends what they look like. I mean, the thing that people always um, gang up on them about is the camera quality, even yeah. though I think the, the 10 Pro was really good in that regard. So but just to rewind for a minute, this is OnePlus 11, as Dom said, not the Pro, not a T even though we didn't ever get a regular OnePlus 10, this is just the OnePlus 11, and it looks as though uh, it's just the one phone for the moment, uh, at least in China. Uh, and it was also uh, released alongside the Buds... Wait, Buds Pro 2. You can tell the difference, because Samsung right. calls theirs Buds 2 Pro. Yeah. Um, <laughs> obviously. So this uh, phone it has gone back to the Pro kind of specs, though. That's what's confusing, right? So yeah. we had a 10T, which, uh, you know, I liked it, but no one else did. And then that was kind of like a OnePlus Nord 2, but with the newer chipset. Instead, and like so it scaled back on uh, display tech cameras and things like that, even though it had mega fast charging. 
This OnePlus 11 is back to what you would have expected the sequel to a, the, Pro, the 10 Pro to be. So you've got the Snapdragon 8 uh, Gen 2 chipset, one of the first phones um, to be announced that officially has that. 6.7 inch, 120 hertz, 2K AMOLED display with uh, the newer LTPO 3.0 technology. So you should Ooh. see a bit more battery efficiency there. And then all the things you'd expect from a really kind of top-end Android flagship, up to 16 gigs of RAM, although there's a 12-gig version which sells, sells for a little less. 100-watt uh, wired charging. Uh, I presume wireless charging as well, but I have actually written that down, so I'll double-check. Uh, but the 10 Pro had it. Uh, 5,000 milliamp battery, and then uh, a 50-megapixel main sensor as part of a three-lens uh, setup on the back. That main one uses the Sony IMX890 sensor. Um, and I suppose the, the eye-catching thing that they've pointed out and in their marketing uh, uh, focusing on, no pun intended, is the camera, uh, and that is a circular module on the back. And they haven't really gone for this kind of big old circle before, perhaps, except I think it was the 7T. 7T had a big circle that it was in the middle. Big circle with tiny, tiny little lenses in it, yeah. uh, <laughs> given the year that came out. But now these are a little bit bigger, hopefully better, and you've got a big Hasselblad branding slapped on there as well. So where the 10 Pro had that, and it had the um, kind of exclusive uh, filters and aspect ratios that you could shoot in that were a bit like an old Hasselblad camera, um, the 10T did not have any of that or the branding. So they must have some agreement here where only the high-end ones um, get that branding. Uh, and it comes in black or green. And that uh, circle is inspired by black holes. Oh. I mean, so, so there's yeah, that. I got that immediately. <laughs> it's very clear, I thought. And I think it's, I think it's cool, uh, but also interesting how a lot of phone companies mix up. They do a black one, you know, uh, every year Apple does, but then they change you know, they do all the colorful ones as well, or they do like a gold one or whatever. But OnePlus yep. is really going in on the black and green thing. I miss when it was blue. I liked the blue ones. The blue was nice. I mean, I, this is a nice green, don't get me wrong. But I, I, in my head, it was the blue was the OnePlus color. I don't know why it's a green um, thing. Maybe that's the one that's been green sells. the last couple of years. Yeah, yeah, they've gone big on green. So um, yeah, they've done this thing uh, again, which I suppose is all part of the thing that we'll continue maybe to talk about for the next few minutes is how the perception of OnePlus has shifted alongside how their business model has shifted and how who they sell to and how and for how much because they didn't used to do I don't believe uh, China first launches but as a Chinese company they are now doing that so yep. uh, you know the, the the global event is on the 7th of Feb in New Delhi in India and they will most likely hold back US, European, UK pricing for us. So uh, this phone, where are my notes, uh, is going to sell from 4,000 Chinese one, which is about 580 US dollars, 480 pounds. It is never that cheap when you convert oh, no. <laughs> it. <laughs> the OnePlus 10T was a lot cheaper than well a lot it was cheaper than the pro but i would imagine with these kind of specs that this phone will be retailing about 799 pounds and dollars uh if it were to match the uh, oneplus 10 pro as well but yeah, yeah i i think given the spec sheet and everything this looks a lot like this will be pro pricing i, th I think they've on the branding thing i don't want to dwell on it too much but they no. they've they kind of put themselves in a weird position where now people are going to say wow the oneplus 11 is so expensive compared to the the nine or whatever the last regular model we got when the price drops but of course really it's a pro and i think they made themselves this problem last year because releasing just the pro last year was probably the stranger move yeah and mm -hmm. this makes more sense to kind of just say hey we're only doing one phone 
but it's amazing here it is yeah. oh yeah i quite like it about whether it's pro it's, or not it's so much it's, better it's, about this pro non-pro thing like it's so confusing yeah it makes more mm. sense to me um though i can i can see people complaining about the price already no matter what it is yeah it does make sense hopefully they go in because what they did i think it was 799 pounds for the 10 pro um, yep. and, it, and it launched um for 899 in the us in dollars but it, then it had a permanent price cut um, but I reckon that you know if, if they can sell the OnePlus 11 for 800 pounds or dollars, that's still quite good. Yeah, well, especially <laughs> considering the inflation over the past year as well. Yeah. If they can, I mean, yeah, it might be a grand. Year, so then, uh, then I won't be able to say anything. Knows. But you know, like people like always sort of um, people tend to complain recently about the fact that OnePlus is now premium pricing for their main flagship product, whereas you know we all know that five years ago there was an absolute bargain but the camera wasn't very good <laughs> which is usually the trade-off but for some reason yep. that narrative seems was stuck uh, and as the phones have got increasingly better and still undercut uh competitors um yeah it still gets a bit of flack for it i mean this if this phone was 800 that's going to be probably two or three hundred less than something like the vivo x80 pro uh, i presume samsung's going to go over a grand for its ultra phone as it as it did last year so uh what do you what do you think what do you make of it do you think this is um at least going to spin perception uh, for OnePlus, even though we've generally well-reviewed their phones? I don't even know what they need to do to fix the perception <laughs> problem they have, to But be is honest. it just a perception problem with like nerds like us, and they're obviously still selling these things? But the problem is well, that the, this fan base is nerds. Like, no normal yeah. people have heard of OnePlus, so, like, it's your everyday yeah. consumer is just going to be like, oh. They're selling a lot of the, you know, the affordable phones, for sure. It's not hurting them in that space, mm -hmm. but um, I don't know. I don't think their flagship sales have ever been all that much to write home about, and I'm, I can only imagine they're worse in the last year. Though I haven't looked at data for that, so that, that's pure speculation. But because, as you say, Lewis, like their fan base, they're such a fan base reliant company, and for better or worse, and rightly or wrongly, they've kind of alienated some of that fan base, and people have kind of, I don't know, just held it against them. And I, it, it's, yeah. It's not clear what they could do right to fix this, other than the fact that, I guess, and what this won't fix, is that they've left that big hole in their product lineup that they used to have, which is where they built their fan base and where everyone loved them was the, the £600 phone, yeah. you know, um, the, the flagship killer kind of thing. And they don't do that anymore. They do the mid-range, and they do great at the mid-range, and now this is a flagship. And it looks to me like a good value flagship, but yeah. it's very much a flagship, flagship, high-end that's a that's a good point that you they raise, just don't though. make the phone that people want them to make which is the one plus 11 that's 200 pounds cheaper <laughs> drops to some of the specs and i guess they kind of did with the 10t to well, be I was about fair, to say that, that. that, that they niche, did that but... and then they got criticized for doing it so they <laughs> yeah. can't win either way because they're no, like okay exactly, well yeah. we'll do what people ask for and then everyone's yeah. like well this isn't this isn't premium i think it's um, a bit rose tinted glasses people remember the one pluses as being phones that did everything pounds. a flagship yeah. could for yeah. like nothing and they forget that actually they always missed out on a few key features that oh, flagships yeah. had to keep their price low and, and that kind of thing um and they, they weren't yeah you know, they were great value phones i'm not trying to knock it but there was always that compromise that you made for it and yeah and i think i think you might have hit on something there with the uh yeah maybe not selling the flagship maybe in the in western markets because these phones used to be launched in you know the uk or the every year the, the latter half of the year the t phones have been tended to launch in new york whereas this is like china launch literally the they get out first and then the global launch of the phone is in india yeah where, where perhaps they still think they can appeal more widely to an enthusiast audience given that's such a competitive market yeah yeah i mean it's an interesting choice to do a, a big launch a global launch in india not many brands ever do that we often see 
we see the the global launch in India, where it, what that really is is an Indian launch, but it's the first time the phone has left China, so we all report it as the global launch. Um, but this is actually them, as far as we're aware, <laughs> going, and they're going on stage in India to announce US pricing, which yeah. I don't think we've really seen done before, especially not for a proper flagship. And that does feel like a telling signal from them about where they think, A, where their audience, there's, A, where they are having success, and B, where, B, where they want to keep pushing and where they think they can win more in the flagship space. Mm. Um, I have one, one question I want to ask, which is um, partly prompted because we've had a, a comment in the YouTube chat related to this. But the charging speed is interesting because it's got 100 watt charging. And the, the, the comment we've had is, do you think 100 watt charging is even needed uh, from someone who's happy with the uh, Carthic, who's happy with the 15 watt charging on their Pixel 5? The flip side of this, though, mm -hmm. is it might prompt some annoyance in the other direction because this is not the fastest charging in a OnePlus phone, <laughs> even though it's their flagship, because uh, the, the 10T last year did faster 150 well, watt speeds. Thank you for the comment. You are indeed right. And I think well, 100 is, is too much. I think I've said on this podcast before that 80, 65 or 80 is perfectly fine. Mm -hmm. No one really needs that more, much more. And I think maybe I would speculate. I don't know for sure, but I would maybe reckon that they've maybe knocked it down again because of the big backlash that they got about putting such a big battery, but also needed a big heat dissipation for that 160 yep. watt charging. And they had to take away the alert slider and they blamed space constraints because of that for the 10T. Um, and it was like, you know, the first high-end OnePlus phone without it. And now it's back on the OnePlus hey, 11. So maybe, <laughs> maybe that's why. Um, I also but, wonder yeah. in the same way related to the 10T, I mean, who knows what they're going to do later this year. But I wonder if it's partly about them just trying to find a better way to differentiate the product lines. Yeah. yeah. Where the way they talked about the 10 Pro and the 10T, the branding they tried to use was the 10 Pro was the photography flagship and the 10T was the performance flagship. But it was kind of odd because it didn't actually have markedly better performance than the Pro and things like that. <laughs> they often had similar chips. Yeah, I think it had the Plus and the, the, the Pro had had the regular version. But yeah. the one thing it did have was much faster charging than the Pro. And I wonder if not putting that super fast charging in the 11 is designed to help them maintain that gap where they say the T model will launch, it will have the plus version of the Qualcomm chip, and it will have faster charging. So if those are your priorities, you buy the T phone. If camera's your priority, you buy the, the regular then, numbered With flagship. the charging thing, don't you just think at the end of the day that it is purely a marketing thing rather than an actual customer convenience thing? Because, I mean, the 10 Pro, you can still charge that thing from dead to full in less than half an hour. Who's yeah, really I mean, such a niche to be saying like you can have a phone that you can minutes. play the, the best games on, and yeah, you yeah. constantly need to be charging for only ten minutes. I think people, the marketing teams, love it because it's a number that keeps going up, yeah. and they can conveniently ignore that there are real diminishing returns on that number. Like the gap between hundred watt charging and one hundred and fifty watt charging, it is not fifty percent faster. No, like. In terms of the actual time it takes like to go from zero to 100, <laughs> it is faster, but it is not a 50% speed improvement because it's, uh, it's a lot less efficient. So it, it sounds a lot better than it is in a way. Um, and I think you're right. Whenever I talk to just you know normal people, get outside of the phone nerd space, um, the reaction I tend to have is much like Karthik here in the comments, which is just like, why does that matter? You know, I've spoken to people who are like, rave about how fast their phone charges and i say which phone have you got and they're on something that does 15 watt or 20 watt yep. charging and it's blown the their thing. mind at how incredibly fast their charging is and like yeah i've got a super fast charging phone like it gets a full battery in an hour and i'm like that's that's not fast by the current <laughs> standards but cool you know what if that's enough to make you be like this is amazing it's so convenient yeah fine like 
you don't need to and I, I think as you said i mean kind of a half an hour ish for a full charge feels like the sweet spot it's the yeah. you can plug it in while you're going about some errand at home having a shower whatever and you'll get if not a full charge then the Most bulk of, of a day's battery yeah and you don't need to plug it in overnight it's just a thing you do in whatever 20 minute window of your day you don't need to use your phone perfect that's all anyone needs right yeah, exactly. It definitely changes how I use a phone. Um, and I think, yeah, uh, the, f- the fact that people were so impressed with um, a phone that charges in an hour, then, yeah, like you say, that's great because people are used to those tiny little five-watt charges on the <laughs> iPhone 7, which... Yeah, uh, I think people are still built upwards. to like the idea that you just have to do it overnight. And yeah. as soon as they realize, oh, wow, this doesn't have to go overnight, it actually just works while I plug it in and watch a TV show, uh, that that's that's the game changer. For yeah, my, my friend rec- point. my friend recently bought a Pixel Six A, and he was talking to me over over the, the holiday, and he was like, "The battery's really good on this, isn't it?" I was like, "Yeah, yeah." So it doesn't get anywhere near dead by the end of the day, and he was like, "No, not really. Like, I'm never worried." I was like, "Do you still plug it in all night though?" He was like, "Yeah." It's <laughs> <laughs> like stop doing that. You don't yeah. need to. It's gonna. Yeah, he didn't believe me. It's habit yeah. though. I still do that sometimes with yeah. phones. I just kind of plug them in overnight and I, I kind of realize like I, I don't need to do this i can just plug it in at some other point it's better for the phone and it's easier for me but there is still at the end of the day that convenience factor just doing it overnight because exactly, you're not using yeah. it so one time you're definitely not using it <laughs> so for some people the fast charging will never matter because no, as long as it reaches bedtime that's the only thing that's relevant the thing know? i liked about the, the OnePlus 10t and that was actually different to the pro and i'm hoping that it will be same as the 10T on the 11, just to round this off, is that um, the charger that shipped in the box, at least in the UK, was a fully compatible PD charger. So you can also char- quick charge like oh, nice. iPad, iPad uh, MacBook, other yep. USB-C devices, which I think is really cool. And again, very niche nerdy thing at the moment. Mm-hmm. But uh, to realize that I'm actually getting shipped that uh, charger as well yeah. uh, is great. And that, I presume that the OnePlus will continue to be a company that ships their charger because of that advantage that the charging has. Yeah, I, and especially because they've always branded the charger a bit, and the red cable is obviously still, yeah. you know, it, the alert slider and the red cable are the two <laughs> the iconic two things, bits yeah. of like OnePlus design, really. So I know they've given up the alert slider briefly and brought it back, <laughs> but like, yeah, it, it does feel like it's part of their edge almost is that they can then, they know that if they give you that charger, you'll probably take it out with you, and that'll be the charger you use for everything when you're at a coffee shop or something, and, and people will see that OnePlus charger, and it's quite mm. eye catching. So it's, They've probably got a very small marketing incentive even to keep doing it that way because, you know, it's eye-catching and, and it does does carry the brand a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Um, I guess we should talk briefly before we wrap up about the camera setup because, as you said, that is always where OnePlus is judged fairly harshly, for rightly or wrongly. Um, how, how big of a jump does this look compared to the 10 Pro or does it feel more like a sideways step and just kind of differently specced but no better? Yeah, I don't have the 10 Pro exact specs in front of me, sorry, but it does look similarly specced uh, in terms of the fact you have a 50 megapixel main uh, and then two supporting lenses, telephoto and ultra-wide. The 10T, as we've discussed, stripped that back. It was basically the same cameras as the Nord uh, 2T. I guess they will have to do something slightly different. We're going to have to maybe compare this to the 10 Pro in a review. Um, But, I mean, I thought the 10 Pro was very good and the way it processes photos was still slightly different to something, say, uh, like the Oppo Find X5 Pro. Uh, and you would think that w- <laughs> Oppo does a really good job with its main sensors. Are they going to start sharing that algorithm? I don't know. But um, I don't think it has to do that much more, to be honest. I, I really still don't quite fully understand why OnePlus gets gets um, 
you know, taking down a peg or two for this. If you go back to the OnePlus 7 or 8, definitely 6, then you know it really wasn't up to scratch, and that was definitely where they were cutting corners here. Um, but this looks like a promising setup. You just you just don't know until you get it. I, th- I think there's been a... Um the kind of the way the perception has carried on unchanged even as the product has and it's partly because the perception before was always the cameras are fine but they're nowhere near the best around the situation they're in now is the cameras are good (laughs) and they're close to but not as good as the best around but if all you see as a regular fan is that it's still never a oneplus that's in that top three camera phones of the year conversation all you know is, well, they still don't make the best cameras, so they're clearly failing. Even though what they've done is close the gap fairly what, significantly what, over the what past few years. Yeah, what frustrates me, though, is, the, yeah, maybe the ultrawide and the telephoto on the OnePlus 10 Pro is not great, but the main sensor was really very good. And I also, as, as well as seeing criticism of the phone from a lasting perception, I also see, you know, praise of certain brands, Apple, uh, by by other people whether that's uh, you know reviewers reviews or, or youtubers and maybe there is a bias in there somewhere because you know when you do a side by side comparison with some of the best that android has to offer not necessarily oneplus you know something that gets roundly put as like one of the, the best cameras in the in the latest iphone is is quite it sometimes struggles in in some certain situations and i've been yep. using a, an iphone 14 pro for a few weeks and s- sometimes it's amazing and sometimes it really isn't that good. It really like does boost the, the the brightness up quite a lot when I don't want it to um, artificially. So anyway, just a side note. But um, yeah, I, I'm hopeful for the OnePlus 11. I think it looks like a well, very like like all Android flagships are these days, like well-rounded, uh, high-end piece of hardware. So I, yeah, guess I'll try not to take it down a peg or two. Inevitably, it will all come down to what number they say on stage on yep. the 7th of February and yep. how much this thing costs. If it yeah. is the same or more than last year's Pro, I think people might start to have question marks, rightly or wrongly. But if they can stay just on the lower side of last year's Pro, or, or I guess with inflation in mind, hit the same numbers, but yeah. um, you know, I, I think this would be a winner. It, it looks... We'll have to see what the rest of 2023's flagships look like, but from what we're expecting, this looks pretty solid. This looks like a good offering. Yeah. And, you know, if the price is right, I think there's a lot to like here. Um, and I like the design. We haven't really spoken about it too much mm. other than the black hole, but I like it. I think it will be a bit divisive. I think some people won't. Um, but I say this as, as a self-avowed circular camera hater. This is one of the ones <laughs> I've seen that makes me go, oh, that kind of works. I, yeah. I like the positioning on the side rather than the center, and I like the yeah. little bordery wraparound thing they've done i like the way they incorporated that yeah um, they do tend to change the design for every generation and this yep. is kind of yeah just a melding of the last one but circular so yeah i think it looks nice like it makes it feel like their well. own yeah well, that's very nice on the green model i didn't for, notice for the, that until very right now <laughs> for the ocd among us that that is not a centrally placed camera module though is it no so if you wanted it centered or does that not bother you we're getting in the weeds again. I like that it's. I think. I think it. It maybe that's why it works for me rather than just a big circle in yeah, the middle. I agree. Which has always looked very just like oh, blur. Where do we put the cameras? Oh, I'll just throw a big ring in the middle. Um, <laughs> this feels like I, I don't know a bit more planned, a bit more purposeful. Yeah, for... I can see the intent behind it. So for whatever reason, this design has kind of clicked, and I've gone, yeah, that works. I like it in a way that others haven't. Um, okay, yeah, so OnePlus 10, OnePlus 10, OnePlus 11 will launch um, for the worldwide markets on February 7th. There'll be an Indian event. Um, we will be covering that at the time, so I'm sure we'll get to talk again about that phone once we've gotten our hands on one, have the pricing for the rest of the world, that kind of thing. So we will revisit it in a month or so. 
Um, let's turn to CES, where we have seen the Motorola ThinkPhone arrived. Um, this had been a little leaked, so you may have kind of seen some some glimpses of this uh, in the press already, but it has now been officially announced as of about half an hour ago. Um, and yeah, this is a business-focused phone that carries that Lenovo ThinkPad branding, including Lewis, am I right in saying they managed to incorporate the little red dot bit oh, yes. somewhere? Yeah, there's a red key, a dedicated <laughs> red key in the top left of the phone that fits uh-huh. it just absolutely perfectly. Um, so yeah, so Microsoft, um, Microsoft, so Motorola's launched this, the, the ThinkPhone, obviously it's a companion to the ThinkPad, um, and it's for, primarily it's aimed at the B2B market, but Motorola have said that it will be available to buy for consumers, so if you fancy something a little bit more businessy, then you've got that option as well. Um, so let's just talk about, I mean, obviously the design's the main thing, it looks exactly like a ThinkPad, like it's got that aramid fiber, kind of carbon fiber finish on it, it's got the same color scheme, it's got the red key, uh, and obviously the Think branding, so... Um, they play very well together. Um, there's a, there's really good Windows 10 integration. It's called Think to Think. Um, that's what Motorola is calling it. Yep. Mm. Um, and it uses mm. like a companion app on Windows, and it allow you to essentially not only get all your notifications and stuff like that, but you can run apps in separate windows. You can sync files and stuff like that, and you can even use the phone's uh, camera as a webcam wirelessly. Uh, kind of so- wish they'd gone with Think Link. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I hate the thing to think. I'm like, this is horrible. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's all really interesting stuff. And I got quite excited during the briefing because I'm like, that's really cool Windows integration. Yep. But what they don't tell you is, it's actually already available uh, as part of the ready for uh, thing on Motorola Edge phones. Like all the window, window, ugh, this kind of fell under the radar for me. I didn't know about this, but with most recent, um, most recent Edge phones, so it's Edge 30 Fusion, Edge 30 Ultra, uh, they have this upgraded um, Windows integration. Um, yeah, they, so you, they've been slowly adding to Ready4 without yeah. really making too much of a song exactly, and dance yeah. about it. I thought it was just still the kind of mobile OS, but it's, it's got it's way more now, and so you've got this companion app. So that's all available for recent phones anyway. So if, you, if that's the one reason you wanted to get a ThinkPhone, then don't bother. Um, <laughs> so one of the things is the Red Key. They didn't really go into much detail about what it's going to be for. They said, obviously, it can be programmable to whatever you want. But they did also tease that they're working with Microsoft on some um, exclusive Windows integration for it. I don't know what that would look like. They wouldn't give any more detail, but they said they'd talk about it more in the next few months. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there could be some possible integration with Windows there somehow. But, yeah, we're not too sure about that so far. Um, I mean, I can see plenty of people jumping just at the chance to have an extra programmable key yeah. on the phone. That's obviously always whenever phones throw in a Bixby button or a camera <laughs> shutter button, everyone please. always just wants it to be programmable yeah, please, elsewhere. Let's reprogram it. But it it is still pretty rare. There aren't that many phones on the market that give you one. So um, so that's one reason you might grab this mm-hmm. over an equivalent Motorola phone. Other than, I don't know, nostalgia for the brand then. <laughs> or like affection, not nostalgia. It's, yeah. it's still going as a brand. But other than affection for the brand, is there anything else? Or is this just another Motorola phone? Uh, so it's got a few um, security-focused chips in it. It's got the ThinkShield built in. And it's got like a separate... Uh, processor where it stores all your passwords and cryptographic keys and stuff like that, which is kind of similar to how Apple does it with your passwords and stuff on your iPhone. It's a completely separate thing, nothing to do with the rest operating system. And they said this is going to be much better to protect your data. Obviously, with a business phone, you're going to be uh, worried about the kind of things leaking that are going to be on there. So that's all good for that. Um, and there's a few other little kind of security bits we'll tie into that. And then obviously, with being a business focus, it ties in uh, well with kind of fleet management. So um, businesses can, like, you know, uh, set up and manage a whole fleet of these things without much issue. Um, apart from that, though, 
I mean, it looks different. You've got the carbon fiber, all that kind of stuff. You've got the programmable key. But if you scratch beneath the surface, this is a Motorola Edge 30 Fusion in every other way. Essentially. Which is no bad thing. No, this is why I said it right up. Yeah, the Edge Fusion. It's a good phone. <laughs> is a very nice phone. So yeah, we're looking at the uh, Snapdragon 8 Plus Gen One. Uh, the only actually, so before I deal with two, there is one difference, one difference only in terms of spec, and it's got a slightly bigger battery because I think there's a little bit more space in there. So it's got oh, five thousand. Okay. I think the uh, Fusion has four thousand two hundred or something like that. So not huge. That's a pretty big but, jump then. Well, it's a quarter of it again. Yeah. You know. So yeah, that should last a bit hours. longer, and it's got IP68 yeah. um, water resistance and the MIL standard 810H uh, protection. Um, yeah, but yeah, so right. aside from that, you're looking at on the rear camera setup, you've got a triple camera setup, no, sorry, a double camera setup with stupid sensors and stuff like that that make it tricky <laughs> to think there's more cameras. So you've got a 50 meg <laughs> main, um, which again, same as the Edge uh, 30 Fusion, and that's backed up by a 13 megapixel 120 degree ultra wide, and then you've got a 32 meg front facing selfie camera um it's got turbo power 68 watts charging uh wired and then you've also got 15 watt wireless charging as well mm. um video up to 8k um 6.6 inch oled display full hd 144 hertz refresh rate like these are all this, this is literally it's all the edge 30 fusion exact same yeah it's Next. the exact same um the only real difference yeah like i say is that red key the design because yeah, he's got this um, arabic fiber finish, and uh, it's slightly more durable with the um, IP68 and the MIL standard stuff. Yep. But um, in terms of core functionality and performance and stuff like that, it's going to be near identical to the Edge 30 Fusion. Yep. And it's worth saying, I don't think Motorola have announced pricing or anything for this. No. But the Edge 30 Fusion is 500 pounds in the UK. Um, that one, I don't think it ever launched in the US. It certainly wasn't oh, out in the US when we reviewed it. So. I don't know if if or what the US price would be for that. But yeah, £500 in the UK, I would guess there'll be some sort of slight premium on this one say, because of the I bigger battery it, yeah. and the security features. Yeah. Um, but so, the question is, you know, you're really going to need to want to get the most out of these security features because otherwise you just go for the fusion. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but of course, it, it's a B2B focus. So it it, is, it's, yeah. if, if, if you are the person managing smartphone provision for a company, lots of reason to pick this. If you're a regular person just looking to buy yourself a phone or a small business owner or something like that, yeah, I don't know. You probably don't go for this one over the even the Edge Fusion or some other option because no. there's nothing it does that's radically different. No. Um, I will say I do quite like the look of it. Yeah. Um, I, I have this weird nostalgia for the Think... Like the ThinkPad aesthetic, <laughs> just because my dad had them for his work laptops nice. when I was a kid, so I was always used to having like a ThinkPad around with the little red nubbin mouse thing and everything, and you know that was very much in my head as like what you know what big proper grown up laptops were was <laughs> was ThinkPads. Yeah. Um. So I I've never owned one, but I, I I have this little like soft spot for it all. So I kind of see the appeal here, even from that perspective of just it's that the, there's a. It's a good bit of branding they've got there, and yeah, I'm really glad they've managed well to keep it. it going. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's it's coming sometime in the next few months. They've been very coy about where and and how much it's going to cost and stuff like that. But sometime mm -hmm. in the spring, we're expecting this to appear. Um, yeah. And it is worth saying there are weird question marks there only because I mean that's what I said with the Edge 30 Fusion that launched in the UK but not the US. Motorola has been weirdly inconsistent the last year or two about certainly the difference between its US launches yes. and elsewhere and is not launching everything in all parts of the West equally. So I, I wouldn't necessarily bank on this being a US launch just because they've been very odd about those for the past 12 months or so. Um, one last thing I, I thought was kind of worth touching on, 
it's kind of interesting that this is officially a Motorola device. Yeah. I know Motorola is owned by Lenovo. Yeah, but I was about think to say that. Pad is a Lenovo brand, and Lenovo does put phones out. Yep. <laughs> not that many of them are not really outside of China, but still, it does market phones as Lenovo phones. Why do we think, other than the obvious, just Motorola is a big phone brand, do we think there's anything else to this going out as a Motorola device rather than a Lenovo one? I mean, I think it's literally just because Lenovo doesn't do that many phones. So people are going to be like, well, if they don't do that many phones, it's probably not going to be that good. And I want something reliable. <clears throat> Whereas yeah. Motorola yeah. has that kind of better, you know, vibe about it, I suppose. <laughs> and if you're trying yeah. to appeal to an audience, whether that's consumer or even business, but the, the people of that age who are going to buy this phone, whether yes. they're a, you know, a CIO or, or, or a dad, they're all dads, like, aren't they? So yeah. Yeah, they probably <laughs> also had like Motorola phone. <laughs> yeah. Double uh, nostalgia whammy. Yeah. And if you, if you double up on those things, it does make sense. I've always, yeah, kind of thought, I was thinking about it as you're talking there. Yeah if you own the brand and it's a phone brand yep. and you have complete freedom to do that then why not yeah in fact if Fen is thinking about it i think the only lenovo phones are certainly the only ones that leave china are the legion gaming ones oh, yeah. exactly. i guess they only do those as lenovo because legion is already the lenovo gaming hardware brand so motorola doesn't have a gaming brand and lenovo did and that's why they did that yeah. Um, I guess otherwise they'll anything phony they they will still throw at Motorola. So you kind of see the connection. I wonder how many people will be thrown and confused by the pairing of Motorola and <laughs> Think. And I had to keep um, on but, you know kind of stop. There was a few times in the article where I called it Lenovo Think Phone, and I'm like, nope, that's yeah. not actually what it's called. I have to reread everything just to make sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but there we are. Uh, yeah, I mean, I it's a it's a strange day when I'm kind of. St- a little bit excited about a B2B <laughs> focused phone release. But this is fun. I think it's cool. I'm glad they've done this. I, you know, it's obviously nothing in the hardware is totally revolutionary or that we haven't seen before. But I do think it's a it's a nice move by them. And uh, you know, I hope this finds its audience. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's talk wireless charging. Um, Qi two <laughs> is here. After I don't know, I don't know how old the Qi standard is, but years. It's yes. been a long time mm, that so the Qi long. standard has been untouched. Um, so Qi2 is the new wireless charging standard from the Wireless Power Consortium. Um, it will be rolling out in first products by holiday 2023. So by the end of the year, we should have chargers and some phones taking advantage of Qi2. Um, and the sort of interesting here, as much of what it does do as for what it doesn't, this doesn't actually improve the Qi standard in terms of power ratings and charging speeds directly. Um, really, all this is, is it's got magnets in it. <laughs> and I still think that, you know, it still matters a lot, but it's kind of, I'm, I'm a little surprised they haven't also thrown in different yeah. changes to the, the, the charging speeds or something. Um, but fundamentally, it's got magnets in now. Um, and what's changed here is that Apple has been involved from the beginning and basically from what we can tell, bringing quite directly its MagSafe designs and its MagSafe tech and making them available through this new Qi2 standard um, for everyone else in the market, which obviously will include um, a whole load of Android OEMs. Um, I think Samsung is already confirmed to be on board to be uh, building something with it. Um, Yeah, so the official wedding for the press release is that Apple provided the basis for the new Qi2 standard, building on its MagSafe technology. Apple and other WPC members developed the new magnetic power profile, which is at the core of Qi2. Um, So it is not 
MagSafe mm-hmm. is one thing I guess to say straight out of the gate. It is not the exact same as MagSafe. And um, there's a good piece on The Verge, if you want to go read it, which digs a little deeper into this. And they managed to chat to someone from, from the WPC. One of the bits they managed to glean is confirmation that the, uh, the magnet positioning in the Cheese 2 standard is not the exact same as it is in MagSafe, which is interesting in a couple ways. One obvious one is it raises questions about compatibility between this and existing MagSafe products, which may or may not work nicely with Qi 2. (laughs) I can only believe they will, at least on a basic level, still work with it, because it would be mad for Apple to be involved and not guarantee that. But it is not the exact same. That means it raises questions, well, does do this year's iPhones officially still carry MagSafe branding? Is it Qi 2? Do they combine them into some new you know, bit of branding? Is it MagSafe 2 or, or whatever? We don't really know the way that's going to go. Um, but it also is, is important, I guess, because it, it does say this isn't MagSafe. This is a collaboration between Apple and other mm. people where MagSafe <clears throat> has been modified in some way yeah. so, so that it works for everyone. So it's suggesting that in the future, for sake of argument, Apple and Samsung will have the same standard of magnetic wireless charger. Theoretically, yes, um, or at least the same baseline <laughs> standard agreement, and then they may throw in faster speeds or whatever on on top of what. But the connect- what G two is it suggesting? Yeah, they, so the speeds might be different, but is it suggesting the actual sort of physical magnetic connection? Physical charger magnetic and phone connection should be, should be the same. So if you buy a G two charger, it should be the same <laughs> magnet array that will work for your new iPhone as it will for your new Samsung. Right, supposedly. Cool. I like it. Which is cool, and it's good. Um, a lot of what they're talking about is is improving the certification side of this because Qi has obviously been a standard for a while, but actual certification with it has been a bit uh, hit and miss in the same way, in fairness, that it's been with MagSafe, and there's been mm. ropey stuff there. Yeah. Uh, one of the details that has been revealed here is that there's going to be a sort of um, a digital authentication between chargers and phones now that they meet the Qi 2 standard. It's not clear what will then happen for, say, someone who has built something that's basically Qi 2 but doesn't have the certification, will your phone just not charge off it? Will it not charge at full speed? Um, Apple not tends very to clear. them um, with that kind of thing. like Because a lot of the um, Apple accessories have like a chip uh, or something in there just to verify that it is official Apple license well, I think I think what Apple does with MagSafe, and I might be wrong, I think they cap speeds. So yeah. there's the works with MagSafe and MagSafe certified or yes. whatever yeah and if it's not certified then you don't hit the full charging speed so if someone if you go right now and buy a third party non-certified works with magsafe wireless charger that has magnets in it will charge your iphone but it caps at seven and a half watts rather than 15 watts i think they just apple yep. says ah oh, you don't have the certification chip so you only hit half the speeds i guess that's the kind of thing we'll see going forwards if you buy the dodgy one off amazon that was made without proper Qi certification it will probably work, but you won't get the full speeds mm-hmm. of official Qi 2 products or yeah. something like that. Um, obviously, still a lot of question marks around this, so so we don't know for sure. Um, so it is worth, I guess, talking about speeds. So I said they haven't improved speeds, and that is kind of true. This is still capped at 15 watts um, for the Qi standard, uh, for Qi 2. There is, as Alex Edwards in the U2 concert has pointed out, there is a an efficiency improvement that you get from the magnets and that's basically why this has been adopted and what the point of MagSafe was about which is that by locking the phone into the correct charging position you get a much more efficient power transfer so although officially lots of the power ratings are not changing in theory you should see better charging speeds from a lot of products Mm. 
because now they'll always be in actually the correct position yeah. and get the full the full power transfer rather than kind of losing some of it to the ether. Um, aside from the obvious convenience of you put it down and it kind of it, you can tell you've got it in the right spot or not. Um, so you will get better better speeds. There is also the WPC has basically teased this is laying the groundwork for them now to do higher speeds in the next iteration. Yeah. Um, and I think there's a quote in the Verge piece where they do kind of basically say that that we will be uh, they will be building faster speeds and, and um, you know higher power ratings into it probably throughout Qi two in the same way that the Qi standard kind of picked up faster speeds as it went on. Uh, you know, it did go from five to ten to fifteen, yeah, without officially becoming Qi two until now. So um, we'll see that gradually pick up from the sounds of it. Um, I mean, but, as, as someone that's used MagSafe accessories for the past like two years or so, like I'm so excited about this because I think that MagSafe is is slept on a lot with the Apple mm. stuff. I mean, it's because obviously accessories are quite expensive, so not many people get to to use them. But um, we're obviously we're in the lucky position where we get to test this kind of stuff. So I've had all sorts of MagSafe accessories like phone mounts and selfie sticks, and there's <laughs> one that it's like a camera mount that attaches to the back of the thing, so it makes it feel like you're holding a DSLR with a dedicated shutter button and stuff like that. Mm. You've got uh, battery packs that snap to the back of the phone you don't have to worry about charging it um so like this i'm well excited for this to come to android because i think now that it'll be on android obviously it's going to get in the hands of a lot more people i'm hoping that the accessories will be a little bit cheaper because you don't have the apple tax that comes with this kind of thing um so i'm just quite excited really it's, it's good yeah, I was going to say, I, was quite, I also use MagSafe quite a lot, but I, I don't actually use the charging aspect of MagSafe oh, like, at all because it's much slower. Yeah, You don't get fast charging with the latest iPhones unless you're plugged into a cable. So I yeah. always charge it with a cable. But then like my case has MagSafe because I got the little wallet and I like that. Um, and also the things, half the things you described there, Lewis, they, they're, they're more like a modular kind of approach to yep. your phone rather yep. than necessarily the charging, like car mounts and stuff like that. And bike mounts sound cool to me. Yeah. But um, yeah, interesting if, if that's because once Yeah, once the magnets start being built in, that's obviously the space for accessory manufacturers to build around it. Yeah. There is a big caveat here, which is the certification doesn't have any requirements around magnet strength. <laughs> so it doesn't guarantee that those magnets in a Cheetah phone or a Cheetah accessory will be strong enough to say, hold your phone securely to a selfie stick and trust that it's not going to fall off. So there will still be always that element of how much do I trust this manufacturer? You know, do I reckon these magnets are strong enough to do what they're meant to do? If, if what they're meant <clears> to do in that case is hold the weight of the product. Yeah. Um, um, because all they're guaranteeing is kind of the magnets are there in the correct positions to lock the phone in for charging on a, on a flat charging pad, you know. What I will say to that is that um, there is a similar thing with Apple. Like the magnets actually in the iPhone aren't that strong. Like they, they kind of mm. slip, things can slip off them. But it's usually the magnets that are in the accessories that are a lot stronger, so they can just grip it a little bit better. I mean, I don't know the physics behind yes. it all, but... Yeah, I, I don't think this is anything that's worse than what Apple does with MagSafe, yeah. but it's more that it's already a problem with MagSafe, and Qi2 does not fix that problem. Yeah. yeah, They are not coming in and putting in stipulations for magnet strength yeah. to solve that. So you will still... That will become a kind of a thing you have to be fussy about when you're accessory shopping, um, if, if you're kind of new to the magnet charging side of things. Yeah. Um. Yeah, the other thing that they did tease a little bit is that it opens the way to Qi working for non-flat chargers, which crucially is the element needed for smartwatches, basically, that most smartwatches don't sit on a perfectly flat charger like um, the phones do. They use sort of curved bases. Mm -hmm. um, 
and broadly speaking, Qi and smartwatches have not been hugely compatible. And occasionally you get lucky and you can put a watch down on a Qi pad and it will work, but nine times out of ten, <laughs> it will not. Yeah. Um, this does not fix this yet, but there is a line in the press release um, that basically acknowledges that they are trying to figure it out um, and they, they will be working on it. Um, I can't find it right now. But um, yeah, there is a little a little teaser about it. The only thing that makes me worried about that is Apple's failed char wireless charger a few years ago, where they tried to do this with the Apple Watch, and then the thing just wouldn't Air work. power. Air power, that was it. Mm -hmm. The fabled air power. They couldn't. But Tesla yeah. built that now. Oh, have they? Did we not see that? No. <laughs> There's basically a, a Tesla brand. It's not actually made by Tesla. There's a third-party company that makes it. Uh, but you can buy a Tesla-branded charging mat it functionally is air power it is uh, a mat that's covered inside with interlocking charging coils and you can put two or three i think it's two products down anywhere on it and they will charge doesn't do the apple watch because it's you know Curved. um <laughs> which I, I guess maybe was part of the sticking point for apple yeah um but yeah you can sort of buy a weird tesla branded air power ish thing if you want it's like 300 dollars or something though so uh, i don't think i need that convenience that much thank you very much <laughs> no and didn't air power it was unofficially well not as in apple didn't report it but it was cancelled because it caught fire yep yes that was so. that was what everyone said so yeah stay stay away i would still be worried especially when tesla is the brand involved mm. they have a little bit of a reputation for catching fire already uh, i found the line um the, the launch of the Qi2 standard will further expand the wireless charging market by opening the market to new accessories that wouldn't be chargeable using current flat to flat surface to flat surface devices right um so it sounds like they're they're trying to make Qi the the default for or Qi2 the default for things like watches and other bits of tech like that. I don't think we're... doesn't sound like it's there yet. I'm not sure we're going to see it. Mm. And officially Qi certified watches this year, but yeah. it sounds like they're, they know the that's where they want to be. Yeah. Um, so is, yeah, where's, we'll, where's the full room wireless charging that we... It's, we see it at CS every yes. year, but we never see it anywhere else. Like every year they're like, yeah, yeah. And now they're like, okay, we're going to put magnets in this wireless. You're like, no, you're going in the wrong direction. You mm -hmm. need to be putting money into this wireless stuff. But yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I can't see the world where that properly wireless charging doesn't just become a massive health scandal. Oh, yeah. Not to say that it is dangerous, but that no. people will worry that it people is dangerous. People kicked off about 5G. And it will become, yeah. <laughs> if you put in electricity in the air, then that's a little, that's another thing altogether. Yeah, I, I think everyone involved must just be very nervous about who's going to be the first person to really say, hey, we've got a device that just streams electricity around your like bed. witchcraft <laughs> <laughs> uh, not not super reassuring uh so yeah chi2 stuff will be coming by the end of the year in theory so we'll start mm -hmm. to see the charges that presumably means the phones as well so it feels like i guess with apple's involvement a lock-in that the next iphone yeah. should on some level support this you know however they brand it however they message that um i i don't know which other sort of 2023 flagships we'll start to see kind of building in support for this charging standard and, and how that will work and how gradually we'll see it. But um, something to keep an eye out as we get into the end of the year. And uh, now we all get to spend all our money buying a whole new set of wireless chargers for the house, yeah. which is great. <laughs> okay, that is us for this week. We will be back same time, same place next week. And uh, yeah, I don't know what we'll be talking about next week. There's no CS anymore, so there just won't be any news. Just quiet. 
Nah. We always say that. <laughs> yeah. There'll be something. There'll be Someone something. will come on to ruin my week. Oh, yeah. All right. Uh, thank you to everyone who's been watching and listening. If you're on YouTube, please do like, subscribe, hit that notification bell. It super helps. And same if you're whatever podcast platform you are listening to us on. Uh, it makes a big difference. And yeah, see you all next week. Bye for now. Bye. Bye.